one of us to bring ourselves into the situation and whatever you bring in that's what you get if you're looking for faults you're going to find them if you're looking for fruit you're going to find them if you look at someone's life and you want to see a bad person you will and if you want to see an amazing person you will so it really boils down to what are we bringing how are we stewarding ourselves in the midst of this life god doesn't force you to think and feel one way or another As Pastor Daniel will share in today's message, you bring your own emotions into the equation. You have the choice to see other people as good or bad. You get to react to the situation at hand. As you grow in your relationship with God, however, you may notice that your reactions change a bit as well. You begin to see people and circumstances as God does with His love and grace. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 5 as he begins his message, The Beauty of Goodness. We all know how it is that when a number of people look at the same thing, oftentimes people see different things, don't they? I remember when I was a kid, we were living in New Jersey, and so if you wanted to go on vacation, you drive down to Florida. So, you know, which you go through like 97 states, but it takes you like, you know, 12 hours, kind of like just getting to California from here, you know? And so I'll never forget, we used to go down there a couple of times, like every two or three years, my parents would, you know, they'd rent a place down and we'd go to Disney and all that stuff. But I remember my dad really was always wanting to drive on this road called the Blue Ridge Parkway the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina in that area. So my dad is always wanting to do this and we're always saying, yeah, no, no, no. Who wants to ride on a road and see mountains? And and so finally one year my dad won out because he was driving, you know what I mean? And so I'll never forget it. This poor guy, it's like all he's wanted to do all these years is go see the Blue Ridge Mountains. And literally we're on the Blue Ridge Parkway and it's a lot of mountains for a really long time. You know, and my poor dad, because he just wanted to enjoy this, but I remember us kids, there was three of us, and we were all like, is it over yet? Is there a McDonald's? You know, like just being kids on a road trip, you know what I mean? And and I'll never forget, I remember one time I just I, I looked up and I was sitting in the back and I just saw my dad's head go like this, like the shake of shame, you know, like all he wanted to do was enjoy these mountains. He's been wanting to see him for so long, and, and he didn't get a chance to enjoy him. But what's funny is, is now, as a parent, I see the same thing going on. You know what I mean? Because it's like, Lynn and I will be like on a road trip somewhere, like, we're going to go see, see somewhere beautiful. And the kids are like, uh, this is boring, you know? And it's funny, though, because it's like, had I known now what I knew then, I would have tried to enjoy the beauty of that moment, you know, and it just is such an important reminder to us that, like, in some ways, you're going to see what you want to see in life. And I bring this up because not only in our beautiful series and what we're going to see today from the Beatitudes and from the fruit of the Spirit, but it's also this moment where Jesus, in accordance with the Scripture, rode on into Jerusalem, riding on the back of a donkey, and he was heralded as the king, but not by everybody. Like a moment of great joy for lots of people was also met with extreme opposition by another group of people. 
In the exact same moment, the exact same situation, two people are seeing two completely different things. The common people are rejoicing because the promised Messiah was now here. And at the same time, the religious leaders were angry. If you remember, as the people were crying out these messianic psalms and they were praising, Hosanna, save now, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the Pharisees were like, Rabbi, tell your disciples to keep quiet. And it was at that moment, in that apex moment in the triumphal entry, that they knew that Jesus had to go, that he had to be killed. So one group of people is rejoicing, and another group of people are devastated, and they're plotting Jesus' destruction. Same event. Now, I don't have to take a huge leap in logic to see that this is also going on in our culture all over the place, right? Two people see the exact same thing, see radically different things. And it shows the power, really, of the perspective that you hold. It shows that, like, two people having the exact same experience, for one, it will be the most mind-blowing experience, most beautiful experience. For another, it will be the most tragic experience. And the difference comes from what it is that you bring to the table. Like, who are you in the midst of it? What are you choosing to focus on? And I bring this up because as we've been looking at this beautiful series, we're going to see in our beatitude and our fruit of the Spirit today this exact same idea. That in a lot of ways, your life will be what you want it to be and not anything more than that. Now, I'm not talking materially speaking. I mean, we live in a, you know, I always say that, you know, Madonna was right in the 80s. You know, we're living in a material world and I'm a material girl. Anyway. And so, like, when we talk about, you know, your life will be whatever you want it to be. Our culture makes that a material thing. But really, if you want your life to be an amazing experience, it will be. And if you've decided that life is just going to be lame and a grind, it's going to be. If you decide that your spouse is the worst person who ever lived, then guess what? They will be, even if they're not. And if you've decided that I'm going to give my spouse the benefit of the doubt, and they're not perfect, and I'm not perfect, but we're going to be okay, then guess what? That's what they're going to be. If you decide that your Easter egg hunt is going to be the greatest of all time, it will be. And if you decide that you hate those things, and you wish that they dropped off the face of the earth, even if you have one, it's going to be that. Because God allows each one of us to bring ourselves into the situation. And whatever you bring in, that's what you get. If you're looking for faults, you're going to find them. If you're looking for fruit, you're going to find them. If you look at someone's life and you want to see a bad person, you will. And if you want to see an amazing person, you will. So it really boils down to what are we bringing? How are we stewarding ourselves in the midst of this life? And the beauty of who Jesus is and why I am so grateful with each passing day that I'm a follower of Jesus is that Jesus keeps reminding me every day, Daniel, your job is to own your life, who you are, what you see, what you bring into the situation. And what the Bible teaches in a sense is that when you own your life, as you walk with the Lord, your influence because of walking with Jesus will have an impact on other people's lives. But you ever notice that grumpy people begin to huddle together? It's like, if you and your buddies really like to sit down and get really like, oh man, about this thing or that thing, then it's like, then everyone's kind of like that. And in the same way, just as kind of grumpiness is communicable disease, so is joyfulness. You know what I mean? 
But what ends up happening is, is there's such a strong influence that goes on person to person. And if we're talking about a beautiful faith and a beautiful life, what God's intention is for you and I as followers of Jesus, then we really want to grab hold of what do I bring into a situation and how does that change the way I feel and view a situation? Now, to bring in our text today, and I love how this series is unfolding and it's with this idea of two different people, two different groups of people seeing two different things. It's really powerful. So our Beatitude is from Matthew 5, 8. And of course, our fruit of the Spirit is still from Galatians 5, 22, where it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Now, we're all memorizing the Beatitudes and the fruit of the Spirit, right? And so I always have us as a church family and all of our campuses and online and on TV and everywhere this is happening, we're all repeating these things together because we want to learn these things. So repeat it after me. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, and the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Now, Think about this. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, all the way through, we've also been seeing that as we're putting the Beatitudes and the fruit of the Spirit together, the Beatitudes also roll in a specific order, as do the fruit of the Spirit. So if you see the Beatitudes in context, it begins with being poor in spirit. It begins with there being a spiritual bankruptcy that you are aware of. That poverty in spirit, that spiritual bankruptcy that we realize that all we bring to our relationship with God is our rebellion, our own sinfulness. From there, that leads us to mourning, right? And not the mourning light that comes after the evening, but the idea of grief, right? And when you have a soft heart in the midst of an awareness of your own brokenness and the brokenness of the world, it leads you to grief or mourning. And then from that, it leads you to meekness, Right Where you're over yourself. You're not buying your own press clippings on how amazing you are, no matter how many likes you get on your Instagram posts. You know, like, you just realize, like, I'm over myself, right? And because of this meekness now, then it moves you right into you hungering and thirsting for God. You hunger and thirst for righteousness, and it says, and then you'll be filled. So once you get to the end of yourself, you're desiring God, and God's like, I'm going to satisfy you. And then from there... Then it's blessed are the merciful, right? So now you don't treat people, don't give them what they deserve because now you're treating people in a merciful way. And then we get to blessed are the pure in heart. So I would say it this way, that you and I, we need to let Jesus purify us. You need to let Jesus purify you. And if I could say anything to any of us on any given day of your life is that God's plan in your life today is God is looking to purify you. God desires to do a work of purification in your life. Now, what's fascinating here is it says, blessed are the pure in where? In heart. Now, this is important because if you think about the whole Palm Sunday reality, there was the common people and they saw who Jesus was and they rejoiced. And then there was the religious leaders who didn't see who Jesus was. But the religious leaders, Jesus was constantly getting at them because what they were really interested in is external purity, right? They were very focused on making sure they said the right things and they dressed the right way. They knew the right people. They 
fulfill the minutia of the Mosaic law in a very specific way that would be very acceptable to people just like them. It was all about external purity, but this is about purity of where? Of heart, right? Now, when they're talking about purity of heart, it doesn't mean like, you know, they just got rid of all the plaque and all the buildup in my arteries, you know? The heart is the control center of the life, right? In the Hebrew, it was literally, the word is the bowels. It's kind of awkward to think about it, but the deep parts of who you are. So the heart is the control center of your life where your thoughts and your emotions and then the desires and the temptations of the body and the still small voice of the Holy Spirit where all the things that you want all come together and where you make decisions from. And what Jesus is really interested in is he wants to purify your control center knowing that if he gets the inside right, then guess what? Everything on the outside will begin to change. See, and this is where Jesus is so much different Like from just kind of basic everyday self-help, which is so popular. And, and, you know, I'm not actually anti-self-help. Because I mean, like, you know, the opposite of self-help would be self-hurt, which probably doesn't sound so good. Right? But the problem with contemporary self-help is it tries to get you to the right place in a way that will never get you there. So really what it becomes is it's the right idea, but the only way to actually get there is through Jesus. And so no matter all the work you do, you will have some growth in different areas of your life. But the essential purification of the control center of your life is never done by the externals. It is only done by a work of God. So our culture loves this. And if you've been around, and I'm not nearly as old as some of you, and I'm not mocking you, but it's like I've watched the self-help section in good old-fashioned brick-and-mortar bookstores grow and grow and grow every single year, right? There's like, it just keeps growing and it keeps growing. But the reason why there'll be such a proliferation of these things is because it actually is never going to solve the problem. And the only way to have the things that you really want to be placed into your life is because of Jesus, See, Jesus is the only one who can purify a heart. He is the only heart surgeon who can actually fix the very things that are wrong in the depths of who you are. And sure, you can change this part of your life and that part of your life. And that's not a bad thing, but it won't get you all the way there. So you and I, we need to let Jesus do a work of purification. And what I want to let you know is that every single detail of your life, everything, all of it, God is seeking to purify you through it. All of it. I think one of God's greatest ways of purifying our lives is through suffering. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Nobody likes suffering. Nobody likes going through hard times. But the problem is, is a life without faith translates suffering into punishment. And if you read the book of Job, you'll see this all over the book of Job, right? Job is suffering and his friends are coming saying, obviously you have sinned and that's why you are suffering, right? So what they say is, Job, you're wrong and because you're wrong, now you're suffering, right? Which is a classic not having faith and trust in God position. And for many of us, we deal with suffering by saying, this suffering is my punishment for something I've done wrong. But really, if you believe in the Lord, what you realize is that suffering is not for punishment, it's for purification. That you're in a situation, and because of that situation, if you were to say, God, I don't like this situation, but I am not going to resist it, I'm going to let you bear the fruit you want to bear in my life, you realize it's not suffering anymore. You know how I know? 
most mornings, a lot of people are in these rooms with other people with all these machines. And they're wearing gym shorts and headbands and and they're hurting themselves. And they pay to do that. Now what's funny is there's a whole group of people who are doing that. Now there's a whole bunch of other people who are not doing that, but they think they should be doing that. You know what I mean? Like they're like, I should be working out, but I'm not working out, but I should be working out right now. And so you're not doing it, but you're kind of hoping you are doing it, right? Now, why would you do that? Because you realize that when you force your body out of its comfort zone, yeah, you get sore, but you actually build muscle and you get more healthy and all these things. Now, don't ever think that God doesn't bake into the physical the truths of the spiritual. But when it comes to suffering that we don't choose, we have a tendency to think, I'm getting punished. But no, no, no. God is using those things to purify. And if you think about the most beautiful picture of purification in the Bible is of the refiner, right? Now, I've never refined a precious metal before at all, but I've read about it. And really what they say is you take something like gold or silver or palladium or, you know, whatever, and the refiner puts it under the heat. And in the midst of the heat, what is solid becomes liquid. It gets soft. And as it gets soft, the impurities within the metal rise to the surface. And as the impurities rise, the refiner of the precious metal will take a little tool and scrape the impurities off. And then ultimately, once he's purified the precious metal, he'll cool it down slowly and reshape it into whatever he wants. Now, what's amazing is if you read about this, if a refiner turns the heat up too much, it doesn't just have the impurities rise to the surface. It actually destroys the metal. And if it does the heat not enough, the impurities, it won't change shape and the impurities won't rise. And then you read in things that God is the refiner and he's going to make us like pure gold. And when you begin to realize that every situation in your life, the money troubles, the relationship struggle, the loneliness, the fears, the anxiety, the issues with your family, the issues with your friends, all the ways the five-year plan is working out and isn't, all of it is God's way of turning the heat up in your life so that your hardness will soften, that the impurities will come to the surface, that he can purify it, that he can remake it. Doesn't that change the way you look at your life? See, blessed, oh, how happy are those who God has purified their hearts. Oh, how fortunate is the person who God loves enough to have suffering, have its perfect work in their life. To bring all the garbage in their heart up to the surface so he can take it away and remake it. And that changes, my friends, the way we look at our lives and the way we look at the things that hurt us. Because all of a sudden we begin to realize, God, you are good and you are refining me to make me pure. And I want to be pure. It says this in Psalm 24, verses 3 to 6. It's beautiful. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. 
who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. You hear what's being said here? It's like, who is allowed to stand in the presence of God? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. The one who God has done a work in their life. And listen, God is inviting each one of us to be a part of something with him. He's saying, look, you, yes, you, with all the stuff that's gone on in your world, with all the pain and all the sorrow and all the joy, I'm inviting you to let me do a work of purification in your life. I'm inviting you to allow me to leverage your hard times to bring something beautiful out of it. I mean, I said it in the book that I wrote honestly, right? I said that our life can either make us bitter or better, right? And it's the same idea that what's going on right now will either draw you closer to Jesus and Jesus will make you better or you'll allow it to pull you from Jesus and it will make you bitter. Do you realize that God right now loves you so much that he wants to make you better? He wants to change you. He wants to purify you. And so this purity of heart is both an inward thing, but it, of course, it leads outward. It's something that God wants to do internally that will now radically affect every other part of your life. Because look at the beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart for what? They shall see God. Brothers and sisters, we need to have eyes to see. You and I need to have eyes to see. See, the purity of heart now leads to the ability to have a vision of who God is and what God is and what God is doing, not only for ourselves, but in other people's lives as well. But the problem is, remember I said that Two people seeing the exact same thing will see two different things. Many of us are absolutely convinced that Jesus is real. And there are others of us who are not convinced at all. You can find someone who is as absolutely convinced that Jesus isn't real and God is a figment of our imagination as you can find people who say that Jesus is real and God created and sustains everything. What's the difference? It's right here. When somebody allows God to purify their heart, then guess what happens? You begin to see the hand of the Lord in everything. Jesus is real. Purification is a process, and it involves difficulty. No one can be purified without it. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that sometimes God allows you to go through trials to make your heart holy wants to make you new, and that has to begin on the inside. As you allow God to purify you, you'll start to see a change in every area of your life, including the ways you interact with the world around you. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus, but I actually believe that there are many of you right now as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. 
fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources in your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400, 51400. And we'll get some resources into your hands. Now don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands, and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to encourage purity in your life. As your heart is refined and your soul is drawn closer to your Savior, you'll find you desire to share purity with others. You'll see them as beloved children of God, just as you are. In love, you can share how far you've come by the grace of Jesus and how you're still a work in progress. You'll desire to begin conversations that can change lives. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Beautiful. Until then, may God bless.